If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined today by Ricky Sanders, both in our fashionable new blue blocking glasses. You know, it's sort of funny. Uh, I would imagine companies that sell blue blocker glasses are probably doing great business right now, probably one of the few businesses that are actually doing great. But, uh, Ricky, you and I have worked at home since before the start of of the global pandemic. So uh, what's what's our excuse? Why did we why did we just now? get blue blocking <laughs> you know no no one can answer this question uh especially me well i thought it was time to address the elephant in the room people must have been watching our last show and been like what are these nerds doing with their like matching glasses with the same glare uh but you turned me on to these and i i want to recommend them for anyone who works at home you can just search like uv blocking glasses and you may have watched the show in like the last month and I had I developed an eye twitch and I couldn't understand why. And it may have come through in this show. And it was because I was staring directly into screens at all time. I noticed we would do this show. I'd be staring at this. We'd be done with the show. I'd be staring at the TV. I'd go on my Peloton. I'd be staring at a screen. And even when I went for walks, I'd be staring at my phone. So I just couldn't get away from it. And you can get glasses for like under 30 bucks on Amazon. So this is honestly one of the best purchases I've ever made. Thank you for this recommendation. I don't care how it looks because I can tell you it feels awfully good. Yeah, it is. It 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 does. It does actually make a make a legit difference. So we thought uh, for today for the show we we're gonna run through a bunch of ADP information for fantasy baseball. Uh, it seems like looking at the lobby of some of the high stakes fantasy baseball websites that drafts are picking up. People are starting to get optimistic about a season happening. So we were gonna begin with. Um, you know, I think a pretty important concept for fantasy baseball, which is that there are starting pitchers who maybe don't project for loads of elite innings, right? Like it's just going to be very hard for them to get 200 innings, but their rate stats are still really good. You know, they generate a bunch of Ks, you know, maybe they do allow some walks, maybe they are not great in run prevention, but obviously Ricky over a shortened season, you know, if we're talking about 15 starts instead of 30 starts or 20 starts instead of 40 starts, I mean, there's going to be more room to gamble at starting pitcher this year, I, I have to imagine. Oh, 100%. And there are now motivations for some of the younger pitchers to come up sooner, I would think. I was reading an article uh, on Nate Pearson, who is one of my favorites, and just the, the the motivations that the team could call him up because you could go to like six starting pitchers and save the elbows of some of these guys and there's just a bunch of different ways that they can do it. So because, you know, the sample size is cut in half, there's more potential for randomness to, to kind of, you know, uh, rear its ugly head 
because you want, you know, the elite starting pitchers to separate themselves over time if they don't have time to separate themselves. We see guys have like fire two month stretches all the time and then they're like sell high candidates, but you almost won't have that sell high window because it's just everything's going to you know move at such a quick pace that you're going to want to, you know, search for value at the starting pitcher position and hope you can find one of those guys who catches fire. So just sort of in general, you know, in a in a normal 162 game season, what is your strategy as it relates to starting pitchers? So a normal season, I'm usually willing to wait on starting pitching. I think this season is a bit different because I think the elites are really going to separate themselves. And the fact that there's extra hitters means that you don't have to put such a priority on the bats early. You actually have, you know, a ton of other bats to choose from who will fall into it bats because there will be a National League designated hitter. So I'm more willing to go with, uh, you know, an ace this year, whereas normally I start drafting starting pitchers in rounds six, seven, you know, something like that is when I start to consider them after I've built my offensive base. And I'm not as committed to building that offensive base this year, although I would like to fill my infield. Yeah, I think that is probably reasonable. So what do you kind of think the most optimal way to approach starting pitching is, you know, assuming we're going to get somewhere, it seems like the proposals are in between 75 and 90 games. I think the way to approach starting pitching is consider it like one of your, your other positions. I mean, you're going to need depth there. It's still, you know, um, very important. I think once you get an ace, the tendency is like I can wait on starting pitching. And I think that's absolutely fine. But I think the way I'm approaching starting pitching is I'm putting more weight on the American League pitchers this year as opposed to the National League. I think you look at the ADPs and it still looks to me like people are drafting like they're on an you know uneven playing field with some of the National League guys being tilted. And because now you know you have the designated hitter, the difference of about 0.4 runs per game in terms of ERA is going to close quickly. We're going to be talking about everyone playing on an even playing field. So some guys later in the draft that weren't of huge interest because they were like later American League pitchers are now going to be great, you know, uh, picks. So in the later rounds, I'm looking American League pitchers. While I think people are still, you know, looking National League, saying things like, "Oh, this guy's pitching in Petco. I got to have Denilson Lamette." Like I'm taking a guy in the American League who's got similar strikeout potential, who's going to go around the same or later, because I I still don't think people like have mentally grasped how big of a deal this is going to be. Yeah, I I think it uh, a quick look at ADP does uh, does suggest that's right. So I think that if we are sort of of the belief that starting pitching is going to be uh, a little bit more flattened out because there's not going to be inherent advantages for. Um, some of those National League pitchers, we think that the dominance of, you know, uh, Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer and some of these first round starting pitchers, you know, first, second round, uh, Walker Bueller and those guys, which which I definitely do agree with. Um, I, I think that the natural conversation then Ricky should turn to who are some of these specific guys that we are looking forward on gambling on uh, in terms of starting pitching. So I think what I what I kind of want to do here is just go through a list of targets of guys who have you know, league winning contribution upside at starting pitcher and, uh, you know, just talk about uh, the ways that they can structure a winning team. And I and and my guy for uh, a big part of this has been Carlos Carrasco. You know, he's a guy who has formerly had elite rates. He struggled with run prevention, but also he's had like streaks where, you know, if you were not rostering him every start in those big uh, GVPs on DraftKings, like you were just completely toasted off, you know, so I think Carrasco going into these drafts is one of the guys that I like, you know, the most uh, in terms of his current ADP and relative to what I expect him to do. Well, the best thing that happened to you is that sites will show his stats from 2019 because he was clearly pitching injured last year. He's still been dealing with elbow inflammation this year, although he's going to be 100% good to go by the start of the season. But this has been one of the most consistent pitchers over the course of the last five years prior to last year. And even last year, you look at it, I mean, his strikeout rate was completely in line with his career numbers, 28.1%. How about a... 4.7% walk rate. So just a guy that's a huge strikeout guy, 
Uh, not a big walks, you know, not a guy you have to worry about struggling with control. And the thing that we saw differently with him, a 354 BABIP, he had a 529 ERA. Even his fifth didn't look great, but a 3.5 XFIP, basically almost two runs lower than his ERA. He pitched really well when he was healthy. He got, he, you know, he suffered through a little bit of bad luck. And obviously the arm wasn't completely there, but if it's going to be completely there this year, I think you look closer to like his career numbers, which are low threes in ERA. It looks like the projection systems are in the you know upper threes. Would not be surprised if we're talking about a three five ERA pitcher that you're getting, you know, after pick a hundred with no, absolutely no risk of losing his control and a guy who should be up there in terms of strikeouts. I think this is a clear target later in the draft. Um, I don't understand why he's still going this late if you put all the context together. I guess it probably mixed in with some of the earlier drafts, but this should be a top 100 overall player pretty easily. Well, and I mean, you know, there. I guess there would be some risk. Uh, I mean, Carlos Carrasco is a, um, you know, he is like a cancer survivor and stuff. So I, I think maybe there is... They're just like and and you know injury risk and and bad you know run outcomes last year you know bad run prevention outcomes but his walks actually went down last year so he was allowing more runs and more home runs but his walks actually went down so to me he just really is he really is kind of the ideal candidate uh, okay Ricky who is your favorite uh, guy to gamble on at the starting pitcher position. So when I say I'm taking an ace, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm taking one first or second round. I'm really hoping these ADPs hold. You've got guys like Chris Paddock, Aaron Nola. I mean, good pitchers um, being drafted in the top 55 picks. Clayton Kershaw, pick 49. If Tyler Glass now continues to go at pick 68, I consider him to be an ace. You talk about leveling the playing field. You've got a guy pitching in Tampa who has been there. And mind you, in a 12-start sample last year, a 2-2-6 FIP, a 2-9-4 XFIP, a guy who we had been saying earlier in his career, we just need this guy to find his control. He found his control. 6.1% walk rate. He almost went half of his career walk rate last year. And again, the National League guys all of a sudden are going to have to be facing designated hitters. I think Tyler Glass now is better than any of those pitchers for fantasy purposes, including Clayton Kershaw. And he's being drafted behind them. So if you're looking for an ace and still trying to build, you know, that offensive base, a third round Tyler Glass now is 100% a guy I am uh, like fully on board with leading my staff. I mean, a 33% K rate last year, as long as he's healthy, I honestly think that's sustainable. A guy who there was video of him um, throwing a bullpen this offseason, throwing 101 consistently. So, you know, the velocity is still there for him. I think Tyler Glass now is an ace in the truest sense. And the, the market really needs to start valuing his, him as such. There's no reason these National League pitchers should be going before him. Yeah, and I mean, so even if, let's say, let's say maybe long-term, like over his career, Tyler Glass now is not an ace, but last year we saw over uh, 60 innings, which is not really that much more than we're going to project him for this season. You know, maybe, maybe he gets to 100 innings, maybe he gets to 120 innings, the way things work out, but even that could be a lot. So he just needs to do something close to what he did over a small sample last season to pay off where he's going now. And I, I think that seems certainly well within the range of outcomes. I also, of course, um, I, I think Paddock is really interesting. I think Clayton Kershaw is hilariously undervalued because I, I feel like that dude is going to be preventing runs until he's like 40. Like he just is, he's just going to be uh, a good pitcher for so long. So we're going to go ahead and head to break here on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV. We will continue this conversation on starting pitchers in fantasy when we get back. We salute the brave and courageous women and men serving in the United States military, protecting our freedom. Please take time this Memorial Day weekend to honor the memory and sacrifice of our military veterans and their loving families and those who have made the ultimate sacrifice in their service to our nation. DailyRoto.com. 
Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders. We are having a conversation on some of our favorite starting pitcher targets. If you are not starting in the first couple rounds with uh, with one of these guys, you know, we have Garrett Cole, Jake DeGrom, Walker Bueller, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Jack Flaherty, Shane Bieber, Strasburg, Clevenger, all of those guys are going in the first 30 picks on average. And, you know, I don't even really see that much of a difference between, you know, for example, Blake Snell and Tyler Glass now. And there is, there's just a huge split in where you are being asked to to pick those guys in, uh, you know, in these these high-stakes leagues. So I, I, I think, you know, even if we just made it uh, after, after pick 100, I mean, I think there is... Just a, a, a crazy good list of guys to uh, to select from. Uh, the next guy on our list, you're probably not going to be able to get him after pick 100 anymore. But Ricky, James Paxson of the New York Yankees uh, just said, I, I actually think it was just this morning, he just said, I, I'm coming back. Like he, he was like, uh, I, I'm fine, right? Like I am just, I, I'm good to go. Uh, there's not going to be anything stopping me from playing when the season comes back. And Paxton, when he started for the Yankees, has been fantastic, especially uh, not at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, Paxton has true ace-like stuff, and it's really good to hear from him. In fact, I feel much better having heard from him after his latest. I mean, this is a guy who is injured quite a bit. The latest with Paxton was spinal surgery in his lower back. I mean, that one sounded like it was going to be iffy. And he has, since, you know, the surgery basically said nothing but I feel great at this point. I feel good. And recently he came back and said, basically, I'm 100%. The thing with Paxton is there have been some shoulder issues in the past. I think last year was a hamstring he tweaked while he was pitching. So with him, there is always the threat of, you know, him tweaking something and missing multiple starts. You, you have to know that if you're drafting James Paxton, like dating back to 2016, we have not seen any more than 160 innings, but with a shortened season, if he can just pitch in, you know, close to in line with some of these other 
top starters, he could be worthy of like a top 60 overall pick quite easily. When you look at, this is a guy with the last two years, a 32.3% K rate with the Mariners. He comes to the Yankees, which is a a difficult ballpark adjustment, still over a 29% K rate. We did see him lose the control a little bit last year, which did lead to an uptick in Sierra. In fact, it was his worst Sierra since 2015 uh, when he was basically uh, coming. He he was young. Let's put it that way. He was he only had 13 starts that year. So kind of a reversion back to old days, which wasn't great. But adjusting to a new team, a new ballpark, maybe a different pitching style. I think, though, the upside of James Paxton has been evident since he's become in the majors. I don't think he has the same ceiling as like the first or second round guys, but pretty much anyone after that, um, if he can get that walk right down, you are going to be sad passing on him if he can stay healthy. It's just a bunch of ifs that are compiling, and I think that's built into the ADP because this is a guy last year who was going in the top 80 overall picks. I mean, this was someone people wanted to gamble on with the Yankees. He just had another injury plague season, so I think the narrative goes on with him. But he is clearly a guy to target if you're if you're playing, especially in like one of those you know NFC leagues with like a hundred K first prize where you need to gamble to win. There is not much more upside of a pitcher any later than James Paxton that you'll find. All right, I have another lefty pitcher that I am super high on. Uh, really, really would not imagine going into a fantasy baseball draft not planning on drafting Robbie Ray. I mean, this this is the poster boy of if he just runs hot for 10 starts on run prevention, he helps you win your league. Uh, so this is a guy with a career 28.7% K rate. And, you know, let's remember that Robbie Ray uh, started in the American League, you know, pitched his first season for the Tigers. Like, Robbie Ray's been pitching for so long that he was there before the juiced ball. He was there before the launch angle revolution. Uh, the last four seasons, or last three seasons, he's been over a 31% K rate. Uh, his walk rate is 10, 13, and 11% the last three seasons. Steamer has him projected for a 10% uh, walk rate this season. And basically what happens to... Robbie Ray is uh, this dude just loves to allow the long ball. Uh, He has a career 1.25 home runs per nine. Last season, it was one and a half home runs per nine. He struggled with walks uh, each of the last two years, basically, basically allowing uh, four walks per start, like four or five walks per start. And uh, Ricky, it's uh, it's not a great combination if you are both allowing home runs and allowing a ton of walks. Uh, We know that, but all of the, um, all of these skill ratings, right? So like everything that we use to measure pitcher skill generally is going to like Robbie Ray because he gets a ton of his outs via strikeout. And basically, you know, th- we don't think this anymore. We used to believe that starting pitchers generally have very little control over what happens to the ball once it has been hit. Now we know that hard contact, soft contact, fly balls, home runs, we know that all of that stuff is more of the pitcher's control. Um than it used to be, but I, I just, there, there's no way, there's no way I'm not all in again on Robbie Ray this year. I mean, he, you can get this dude for free. You can get him as your third starting pitcher, fourth starting pitcher, you know, in the 12th round or whatever. Yeah, I think at that point he's valuable. He is a guy who in past years I might consider just completely punting pitching and using him as a starting pitcher one and just dealing with the consequences of a high whip. But there is no one in baseball that you can say more than Robbie Ray that just relies on his raw stuff. I mean, if you've ever seen him pitch, he literally grunts like Serena Williams on every pitch, which just shows you how much he puts into it. I mean, have you ever watched a Robbie Ray game? I like sometimes I have floor to ceiling windows in my apartment. I have to look outside to make sure there's not like a scuffle going on outside with like with like the huh, like huh. every pitch. <laughs> it's really funny. But you can see it in all the numbers that he just absolutely lets the ball go and really doesn't know where it's going. You talked about the walk numbers. The hard hit numbers are really concerning with Robbie Ray, too. Over 40% each of the last three years, over 43% each of the last two years. So he relies on raw stuff, and his raw stuff is, let's let's talk about I mean, it's good enough to miss bats. 31.4% K rate last year, 314 the year before. So, like, the token of 
consistency and a guy with you know swinging strike rates that are elite 13.6 last year 14.2 in 2017 it's just he doesn't know where it's going so you're always going to have a high whip with him uh even with the humidor in arizona last year the home run fly ball rate went up 20 percent uh, which I do think was a little bit of randomness. You know, his career, 15%. I think if he hovers around that, you might see Robbie Ray under a four ERA, which if you're taking a pitcher this late, if you could get Robbie Ray under a four ERA, you deal with that high whip and you just get good numbers everywhere else. Like, I think you're completely fine with it, especially if you built a starting pitcher base before him. So I think he's like your prototypical role player that could do what he does well you know, and propel your team to a championship, even with his downfalls. Yeah, I think that is, um, I think that is very likely to you too. Um, all right, who is your, uh, who's your next guy that we are targeting as a, a starting pitcher gamblers? So I think Mike fulton is probably the next guy we, sh- we should talk about here. He, something was up with him last year. He was injured. He came back. Um, Let's just be honest. The velocity numbers were kind of concerning for a guy who throws a pretty straight fastball. 2018, 96.8 miles an hour was a career high for the average fastball velocity of Mike fulton He was down to 94.9 last year. Look, we need to see Mike fulton hitting about 97 for him to be the dominant pitcher that we think is within the range of outcomes. Remember that 2018 season, a 27% K rate. It was back down to 21.4 last year. But if we can get him, you know, fully healthy and reports have been that, you know, he's been facing live hitters, I think it's within the range of outcomes to see the 2018 Fulton Evich again, who was a 337 pitcher, 377 XFIP. And if we see the velocity return, I think this could be a very good strikeout pitcher. Look, he was very frustrating last year. An ERA in the mid-fours definitely was not what you were looking for. Um, projection systems have him as like a low to mid for ERA guy again, but I think if the velocity returns, you could see three, five and lower being within the range of outcomes. It's not probable. And I would like to see, you know, if there's any baseball before the start of the season or just any reporting on Mike fulton I would like to know his velocity is back because all of a sudden, if his velocity is not there, you could uh, you could obviously see a repeat of where it was last year. So Mike fulton is a velocity you know, focused pitcher, but if he has that dominant velocity, he could just throw balls by guys and be the pitcher that we, we saw in 2018. Yeah. Uh, so I, I love Fulton Nevich. Uh, he, I mean that 2018 guy, like he was a, he was a league winner. He was so good relative to where he was being drafted. You know, maybe there's some argument like, uh, you know, pick the outlier season. That was the only year he had over nine K per nine. Um, you know, that was the only year he spiked over 21% K rate. His walk rate did go up a little bit that year. Like there, there would maybe be reasons you would argue like, uh, he's being, uh, he's being a little bit overrated or whatever, but, uh, I, I really like, I really like Fulton Evich. I, I think he does make a, a pretty solid target. A couple of the other guys I really like, uh, Tanaka, Masahiro Tanaka. He just is, uh, I think that he is a guy who, if you're, if you are really, using this strategy, which is, I don't care about run prevention. Uh, my guys are only going to get 15 starts. So whatever happens for ERA happens. Tanaka is a guy who has the ability to grab you some strikeouts like that is, that's undeniably true. Even if he does give up a bunch of runs, uh, Dylan Bundy, another guy where if he figured it out, I wouldn't be that surprised. And then, uh, from, from, uh, your, not your Chicago White Sox, but from your Chicago Dylan sees another guy. And then, uh, do we get Michael Kopech up in the majors this year? If we get, they go to six starting pitchers, I would be in on Kopech as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just want to address Tanaka really quick. He's dealing with a UCL, partially torn UCL. And last year, the K rate dipped a lot. So I think the correlation between those two things scares me with Tanaka compared to the others. I would rather take the upside of those White Sox pitchers than go with Tanaka just because I'm worried that the everything's going to spike and he's just going to have to have Tommy John surgery eventually. Yeah, I mean that uh that is I I think that is I think that is probably possible, you know, that would uh be that'd be a pretty big bummer, right? Pretty big bummer if you you draft a guy cuz I mean if your guys are uh if your guys are getting hurt in this shortened season, like they're not coming back. Like if if dudes right. are 
Like literally, like if uh, if Rich Hill has a blister problem this year, like that that might just be it for him. He might he might just not come back. You know, if one of your hitters uh, bangs their knee, you know, takes a fastball to the knee or whatever, that's uh, that's probably it for them. It's just it's just gonna be the way that it works. Like a lot of these guys with one month long injuries, like and again, you know, rehabbing is gonna be difficult for these guys as well. Given uh, you know, we we don't really know a lot of the situations for these teams, but we assume medical stuff will be. Um, a little bit different than uh, the normal. So when we get back, uh, we're going to head to break here. When we get back, we're going to transition our discussion to talking about some fantasy hitter values at third base and at shortstop. Uh, we will see you guys on the Daily Roto Hour on the other side of the break. Uh, see you in a second. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders. We're uh, continuing our fantasy baseball chat today, transitioning from starting pitcher. We we want to take a look at third base because uh, it's a, it's a really interesting position in fantasy baseball this year. Uh, Ricky, I think one of the reasons why it's so interesting is that uh, if you don't get Arenado. Many people are not going to feel comfortable drafting Alex Bregman due to like the weird Astro stuff. You know, like I would not want to draft Alex Bregman. Um, Jose Ramirez, another weird one, because you you look at the results of his season last year and you go, this guy was so bad. Like, how is it possible that he was so bad for so long? His season, his his numbers ended up fine at the end of the year, but it was a it was a very tough ride to get there. Um, and then, you know, I, I think the the Rendon, Devers, Bryant, Vlad tier, like I, I think those guys offer like very low category upside, right? Like they're they're own, they're not offering five category upside. So I to me, I kind of think if you don't get Arenado, this is a position that I that I really want to wait at. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I happen to love Anthony Rendon in that tier and the one that I feel the safest about. But there's always the argument that the first year a guy switches teams is an adjustment period. So if you subscribe to that theory of thought, 
then I can understand. But I just think there's there's going to be lineup protection there, which I know some people don't subscribe to. But the fact that Anthony Rendon will be able to see fastballs in the lineup with Justin Upton, Mike Trout, uh, we had some pitcher or some hitters rather who you know basically erupted last year in Tommy Lastella, who was an interesting dude. You've got Joe Adele, who who may be up in the majors this year. I think that LA lineup is going to be good, so I think there'll be their RBI potential. And I just think Anthony Rendon is one of the best hitters in the league against left-handed pitching, so he'll figure it out. But if you don't go that route, I, I see the risk in Ramirez. I see the risk in Devers. You know, not a, a, or a great, um, you know, plate discipline sort of guy. I think there's always a threat that he could revert back into a lower average sort of player. Chris Bryant just is who he is at this point. And Vladimir Guerrero is coming off a second half of the season where everyone's, like, really excited about him. He's still 20 years old, and he's still 340 Woba, 112 WRC+, plus, 159 ISO were his numbers in the second half last year. So, like, yes, of course, uh, there's something to be excited about. By the way, he's 21, not 20. Uh, there's, there's something to be excited about, and you can project him getting better. And it wouldn't be surprising if he were one of the better hitters in baseball soon. But the 21-year-old version, I'm not sure that's, like, the peak. So if we if we take that train of thought that like this tier is good, I think there's there's merit to waiting slightly longer and taking some of this next tier of guys who I view as having similar upside, if not to be quite honest, higher upside than like the Chris Bryant's, the Rafael Devers, Vladimir Guerrero, at least in terms of their price. I think some of the league winners lie in the tier after that in the names of Yoan Mancata and Eugenio Suarez. I think those are the two guys that I am targeting at third base. Like, I will let everyone get their third baseman early if you could give me one of these guys. Eugenio Suarez has proven basically time and time again that this is one of the top hitters in the National League playing in Great American Ballpark. Mind you, he has been dealing with an injury. But he's expected to be full go with that shoulder injury and I think that you just take it for what it's worth. He's going to be fine. Shoulder issues are never great with hitters. You want them to generate power partially with that shoulder. But how about 49 homers and 103 RBIs last year? A guy who's getting drafted outside the top 75 in most drafts. I mean, what does a guy have to do to earn an ADP inside the top 70 other than almost hit 50 homers? He hit 34 with 104 RBIs the year before. This guy has just been a monster. 376 Woba, 381 Woba those two years, and he's still playing in that favorable ballpark. And you'll have to draft him slightly earlier, which sounds crazy than drafting Suarez, you know, a 50 homer threat, at least that sort of pace, outside the top 70. Um, but Yohan Mankata at ADP 63. Davis, this was a guy who we basically just needed to see him get it going against left-handed pitching. Like, he was a very negative hitter against lefties in 2018. That completely turned around in 2019, and the switch hitter figured out how to hit from the right side. We saw 352 Woba, 122 WRC+, and maybe the most impressive of it all, we saw a ton of power for Mankata from the right side of the plate, 201 ISO. Now, if you can combine that with his clearly excellent skills against right-handed pitching and his ability to steal 20-plus bases, I think you know it is within the range of outcomes that we see 30-plus homers, 100-plus RBIs, and 20-25-plus to steals from Yohan Mankata in a year very soon. And he's being drafted like... You know, outside the top, what is it? He's he's a third baseman, 10. DJ LeMahieu, who basically, he has limited, you know, category upside. He's going to be one of the best average hitters in baseball. He'll probably drive in some runs by default, but not going to steal a ton of bases. I think Mancada's upside, you know, is exceeds his. I think it exceeds Manny Machado's. I think it exceeds Vladimir Guerrero's. I think Yohan Mancada could be the league winner at third base. Yeah, I, I think... Um... I, I think that's very real because Mokata he gives us he gives us both power upside you know 25 home runs last year but he also gives you a little bit of those steals you know 10 steals 12 steals um, uh, over the last two seasons and you know again one of the things we're we're seeing with uh, you know we're just expecting the seasons to happen over a a shorter time frame 
is that, uh, you know, if he gets eight of those steals right away, like, you know, that could be that could be really useful. Like over 80 games, what do we think the league lead in steals are going to be? Or, or even more importantly, like for this analysis, it would be like, what do we think like the fifth most steals in baseball might be like? If teams are just being super aggressive and guys are getting lucky on close decisions at the plate, maybe it's 14. But if teams are not running, teams are more conservative. You know, the baseball continues in the direction of running less and less. Uh, it could just go. It could go the other way entirely, and the fifth leading guy in steals could be like six. I mean, like seriously, that could happen if if things go in one direction. So, like getting guys with a little bit of speed upside who who we know have the power upside, I think is going to be huge, Ricky. Yeah, I mean, you want five category guys this year because you don't know what steals are going to look like. If there, you know, ever was variance before, I mean, you get all of a sudden, you know, you're you're watching a game and a guy gets caught stealing, and that could be the difference between you winning and losing, like a roto league. If you just had that, like one more steal, this is going to be the personification of like you need every single stat this year. And most of the guys being drafted at third base have limited speed upside. I think Jose Ramirez is the clear guy ahead of him who's got like that sort of potential to steal bases you know, into the 20s or 30s. But you look at this list and even down below on this list, and there just really is not a ton of speed at third base. So if Moncada can give you similar hitting production, and I mean, look at his slash line last year. Moncada hit 315 after hitting 235 in 2018, and everyone thinking, like, this is going to be a guy who is an, an average concern. He had a 367 on base. He improved by 50-plus percentage points from year to year. He had a 548 slug. He improved by almost 150 points. Like, if he can give you comparable numbers over a shortened season and add the steals and probably up the runs per game in an offense that's expected to be better— I love this guy. I have him circled. I am spending a dollar more than the next guy in auction leagues. He's just one of the guys on my shortened list that I'm saying, if I go into a draft and don't get him, I'm not going to be happy. Yeah, I, I, I think all of that. Uh, I think all of that is pretty reasonable. I think another guy who has loads and loads of upside has no has no speed upside, but Josh Donaldson could lead baseball and home runs right he he could he could just have a, a turn back the clock season be fully healthy you know this this time sitting at home and uh just letting his joints rest like josh donaldson is in his 30s he's been grinding pro baseball like guy like he used to be a catcher so, like this guy has just been grinding baseball for so long uh it probably did him some good to just sit on the couch for a while honestly like like josh donaldson could just have an insane season at third base yeah, I mean, you remember, I think it was beginning of last year, he was having problems, you know, making the throw from third base. And then he, I think he sat for a little and he figured that out. Uh, but if there was ever a guy who needed some time just to clear his head, Josh Donaldson's that guy. He has been, I want to call it the author of some strange seasons over the course of the last three or so. How does a guy hit 37 homers last year on a team that was really good and not get to 100 RBIs or 100 runs? I mean, that was interesting. I didn't even realize Josh Donaldson stole four bases. So if he could give you a stolen base or two, that would be helpful. But it's clear, like, this version, as we're, we're seeing an aging Josh Donaldson, I guess he's, you know, he's, he's going to be 34 and a half by the time the, the year starts. The average has suffered. I mean, this has never been a great average guy. I guess he had that one year with, with the Blue Jays was his clear career year at 297, but a career 230, or excuse me, 273 hitter. He's just a, a pure power guy, but in this Twins lineup, in a park that enhances right-handed power, we've seen it with Nelson Cruz, we've seen it with Mitch Garver, I think he's just a perfect fit. Um, I mean, this is a guy that could easily push 40 homers, a guy that could once again push 100 RBIs. He's only had 100 RBIs once in his career, which is weird. Um, that 2017 season, or excuse me, 2016, he had 99 RBIs. The year after, he was clearly on pace for 100 homers, but got hurt. So only 100 RBI season from Josh Donaldson. I think with one of the best offenses in the American League, you can clearly see that. And, like, we talked about guys being drafted in the top 75. Josh Donaldson, you can get around pick 100. So we're talking, you know, a round or two even later than someone like Suarez. I think that's a clear value to me. There's there's so many names in the middle of guys who, like, I just don't think I'm taking there. Like a Max Muncie at pick 70. If you could get Josh Donaldson later, I just don't really see a need for that. 
And you know what Donaldson does. You want the power and, and RBIs. And I think in this park, in this lineup, I don't really see a way, unless he just absolutely loses his talent, like Space Jam style, that he's not going to give you that sort of pace. Yeah. So there are a couple really, really late guys, like guys that are, uh, if you want them, you're going to be able to get them because very few other people are competing for them with you. Uh, Tommy LaStella uh, was a guy who we saw with just, now his skills might fall back to earth, but he was a guy who was really valuable in fantasy last year. Kyle Seeger, the reverse happened to him. His skills fell off the face of the planet last year for the Mariners. You could wager on those skills coming back. Matt Carpenter, uh, no upside for Carpenter, but he could be an average runs RBI guy who maybe chips in, you know, uh, 12 home runs or or something like that. Um, and then uh, then there are there are the truly truly free guys: uh, Marwin Gonzalez, Evan Longoria. Uh, or, or uh, you know, Jake Lamb as well for Arizona. These are guys who have some degree of skill level, some degree of power if their skills were to return, who literally, I mean, these are going to be nothing but bench hitters for you. So we're going to go ahead and head into our final break here on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV. Uh, just chatted some third base. When we get back, we are going to do a similar analysis for the shortstop position, and uh, we will see you guys on the other side of break in just a few moments. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for our final segment here on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddox, joined by Ricky Sanders. Continuing our conversation on fantasy baseball, we are now going to be transitioning to the shortstop position. And uh, this is, it's got to be other than outfield, maybe even more than outfield, the most uh, stud-laden tier. So we have guys who go in the first round, um, we have Francisco Lindor, Trey Turner, uh, Trevor Story, and then Alex Bregman, who is eligible at both third base and shortstop. And so I think the I think the reason that these guys go so high uh, is twofold, which is first is they are five category producers. So Lindor, Story, Trevor, uh, uh, 
Lindor, Turner, Story, Bregman all provide steals, uh, and, and Tatis as well. All of them provide a couple steals. Glaber will steal a little bit, not as much, but they also um, have loads of power. I mean, Turner doesn't have much power, I guess, but th- I mean, theoretically, theoretically, he is, um, you know, a, a multi-category producer, and and he might, you know, he might also lead all of baseball in steals while also having, you know, respectable batting average, respectable uh, runs, respectable RBIs. So uh, he gets in that category as well. To me, I think Story is probably my favorite of this group because he can legit go over 162 games, you know, he could go 30-30. Like, he could just have, like, a monstrous fantasy baseball season. Uh, and then after that tier of five guys, we go to Glaber, and then we go to Javi Baez. And then, for me, I think it uh, it really falls off with Bogarts. And then, you know, we know we know the gamble, and we, we've talked about this on the show before, but the gamble of Alberto Mondesi, you know, it wouldn't surprise us if this guy batted 190 over the course of 80 games. It wouldn't surprise us if he bats 310 hits 15 home runs and steals 30 bases over that time frame. Um, but I, I think this is a position, Ricky, where you are really kicking yourself if you leave the first three rounds of your draft without a shortstop. Like, you feel you feel like you are giving up ground to the rest of your league for sure. Yeah, I think there are a few backup plans where I don't, I'm not that upset leaving with, without a shortstop. I think there are multiple routes here, but I think you definitely do want one early. My favorite, I think, of the bunch, at least in terms of the value, is Fernando Tatis, who just came and set the league absolutely on fire, even in a ballpark that, like, wouldn't scream that this is the place for a guy to have a crazy offensive season. He basically played a half year last year, 22 homers, 53 RBIs, 61 runs, 16 steals. He slashed 317, 379, 590. 398 Woba, 150 WRC plus. That was just an insane season. And now you have Trey Turner hitting towards the middle of the lineup where I think there's at least some concern that he's going to lose out on some steals. I think if Trey Turner is the best available player in a snake draft, I might look to trade back a few picks, gain some value, and take Fernando Tatis instead. I honestly would not be shocked if Fernando Tatis was the superior fantasy shortstop this year to Trey Turner. He's not being drafted that far after him, but he is being drafted after him in just about every league. Uh, I mean, the earliest he's been taken is seven in an NFC league, and I honestly don't think it's that crazy when you look at, like, the depth of outfield. You and I have discussed it on here, but, like, Mookie Betts or Fernando Tatis— even in a seasonal league, I'm taking Fernando Tatis and just taking my shot on outfielders later to assure that I get one of these you know, stars. And if it so happens that everyone has the same mentality as me, I think there are pretty clear fallback options at like multiple tiers. Like I think shortstop is loaded till about shortstop 15. Uh, and then you start thinking like, where did I go wrong? Yeah, I think that uh, I think that is probably true. A lot of the mid-tier guys just really don't do it for me. I think they're pretty overdrafted. Like VR, I guess because of the power speed upside, but he's like he's like even riskier than Mondesi is because the ceiling's not quite as high and the skills are more questionable there. Whereas you know we think Mondesi probably has you know kind of just better raw skill indicators, and then. Uh, and then, you know, Bo Bichette, I think, is probably overvalued by about a round. Um, Tim Anderson, you know, this is a guy who ran so freaking hot on BABIP. Like, like it just you've never seen someone run so hot in your life on batting average and balls in play. Like, I, I actually kind of think from Mondesi on down, I don't like anyone at their price until Corey Seager, who goes on average at uh, at 145 overall. So I'm gonna combat you here on Bobachette because I don't okay. think he's being. Yeah, over- you love you love Bobachette. I, I do. I mean, you look at his. By the way, uh, projection systems like him quite a bit too. Like, let's take the bat: 19 homers, 69 RBIs, 16 steals in 143 games. So close to a 2020 guy, and I think that's probably correct. He didn't steal a ton of bases in a 46 game sample size at the majors last year. But he also slashed 311, 358, 571. Now, he ran hot as well. 
Uh, he had a 368 BABIP, which I don't think is sustainable. I think he probably is closer to like a 275, 290 sort of hitter, you know, when things are all said and done. But he's leading off at a very good lineup in a very good park. And he showed skills in the minors. In 2018 at AA, he stole 32 bases. So I think he has way more speed upside than we've seen. And I think we saw the power last year. I mean, 11 homers in 46 games. I think he legitimately has 25-25 in his potential. And I think he's clearly going to be on over 100 run sort of pace. So I like Bo Bichette for that price. I think he's the guy to target if you miss out on all the top guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess uh, the projections are a little bit rosier than I would have imagined. I, I, I mean... You, if you really if you really want to get crazy with it, um, Zips is projecting him for 19 home runs and 28 steals, which would be, uh, you know, that would be basically kind of what we would expect from Trey Turner. So that's like a that's like yeah. a huge that you know that it, the the thing you are the thing you are wondering with him is just the range of outcomes is so much wider because we just we don't know, uh, you know, we we do not know that much or we do not know as much about Bo Bichette in terms of a major league sample size relative to. Uh, you know, relative to the rest of the field. So what right. about what about Corey Seager, though? I mean, Corey Seager, this is a guy who was who was a mega prospect. This is a guy who was an amazing hitter. This is a guy with a uh, 421 Woba as a rookie. Uh, actually, this is this is so interesting. His four seasons in, in Major League Baseball, every year his Woba has gotten worse. Now, he's still been an above-league average hitter. Uh, he's still been, like, a guy you'd, you'd want on your fantasy team. But, you know, I guess he, he never really developed any speed. And if you don't have any speed and you're not, like, an actual home run hitter, maybe you just are not exciting enough for people to want to draft you in fantasy baseball. I think that's probably where people stand with him, especially when you have, like, in terms of ADP, him right there with Jorge Polanco, who leads off for one of the most exciting offensive offenses in baseball and you just get a little bit of a better park with him and you get at least some form of stolen base upside i mean i think between jorge polanco and Corey seager i probably would lean polanco i think i feel better about the home run potential and you talked about like the woba going down for Corey seager it's been the other way at least the last three years with Jorge Polanco, 309, 336, and 352 Woba, 119 WRC plus for him towards the top of that lineup last year. And he scored 107 runs, which I, I feel better, way better about his run potential than I do about Corey Seager. And I think in terms of home runs and RBIs, like it's going to be pretty similar between the two. So I'm kind of shocked that Seager's going ahead of Polanco in terms of ADP. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Polanco is going to hit 22 homers again this year. But like if you saw his quality of contact last year, 39.5% hard hit rate, he certainly looked legit to me. It was the second straight year with over a 26% line drive rate. So I don't think it was someone who got like insanely lucky. It was someone who was crushing the ball from the start of the season and he earned his spot in the lineup. Yeah, I so I I think that is I think that is true that he earned his uh his spot in the lineup. Uh who do you think is the winner out of Jean uh of Jean Segura or Didi Gregorius? Uh I I kind of think both of them are are interesting for fantasy baseball purposes actually. Seager or uh Segura for the, that uh you know the the power speed combo and Didi for the power, though obviously he's in a much worse situation uh, in terms of, of lineup and power this year. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what to make of those two because I think they split the at-bats. I think Didi's probably your starter against righties. I think Segura's probably your starter against lefties. I think Segura probably gets some designated hitter at bats there probably will be days where you know they switch off and maybe you have Didi in the lineup against the lefty and Segura DHing and vice versa you know uh, Segura against the righty but I think they they kind of eat into each other to a point that they're they're guys that you would want as depth just in case one got hurt and I think Segura you know has some speed potential if we expect him to play like three out of four days which is certainly possible with the DH but I think they're more only targets, like NL only leagues, because I think there's too many other guys, even in this, honestly, this range, like Dansby Swanson, who should play mostly every day. Yeah. Um, Carter Keboom, who should play mostly every day, who has upside. I mean, there's just other guys around here. Paul DeYoung is being drafted right before Segura. 
there's just too much uncertainty here. Yeah, there there is uh, there is loads of uncertainty. You mentioned you mentioned a name there. I mean, yeah, Dansby Swanson would not be the uh, the first uh, you know post hype sleeper to just uh, you know just break out. Not not out of nowhere, but I mean, we're talking about a guy, a former number one overall prospect. Like this was a guy that I don't know anything about baseball prospects because I'm not really a, a a baseball guy. You know, like I, I like to gamble on baseball, but I'm not a baseball lifer. And even I knew who Dansby Swanson was because he was such a big prospect. And, uh, you know, it has not happened for him yet, Ricky, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to happen at all. You know, base- baseball is hard. It-, it-, it takes guys a couple of years to figure things out sometimes. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me if Dansby Swanson turns into a guy that we're playing against left-handed pitching most every day. He was a 340 Woba 108 WRC plus guy against lefties. And even in Brave stacks, he wasn't overly popular most of the time because he hit down the lineup. But I think that's part of his skill set that's going to develop. Now, he was a guy who struggled against right-handed pitching. So he certainly needs to improve in that way. But in daily leagues, it would not shock me if, if Dansby Swanson picks up from like a 162 ISO guy to close to a 200 ISO guy in the split against left-handed pitching. Like you mentioned, he's still young. I mean, he's 26 just coming into his prime. So people have kind of given up on him. And it's not like he's been horrible. I mean, he had 17 homers, 10 steals last year. Projection systems basically put him on the same pace this year. For someone late, like if you absolutely punted this position – it's not that different than some of the guys you would be getting rounds earlier. So I don't understand like the hate for Dansby Swanson. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you. I think he is a a pretty solid late round target. So um, everyone, if you're if you're feeling inspired, you're you're feeling jazzed up from our fantasy baseball discussion. There are definitely lots of ways for you to play out there. You know, high stakes leagues going off pretty much every single day. Everyone, thank you very much for watching the Daily Roto Hour here on Sports Grid TV. This has been Davis Maddock and Ricky Sanders. We will see you back on uh, next. We will see you back next week, actually. And uh, everyone, enjoy your Memorial Day. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.